Father, we ask for your blessing over your word here. We pray that everything would be done fitting and in order and according to your will and your desires. And however we live our lives, Lord, may we be glorifying to you and may we consider others better than ourselves. Uh, Just fulfilling those two commandments, to love you above all else and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So, Father, as we get into your word this morning and your will, we ask that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Halloween. I haven't talked about Halloween in, I don't know, like 10 years. And so I'm going to talk about Halloween and I'm going to talk about Christmas because I got a challenge from somebody who is in this room who will remain unnamed over Facebook. Bill Botka, what's your opinion of Halloween? Because there was a guy who was an ex-Satanist who was on there that said Christians should not be celebrating Halloween. We should not participate in it. We should not uh, dress our kids up. We should not do any of that. If you go to the Christian blogs and the Christian magazine sites, you will find several articles related to the fact that we should not participate in Halloween at all. Uh, It's considered a night of ghost stories and seances, tarot cards reading and scary with mirrors, a night of power when the veil that separates our world from the other world is at its thinnest, a spirit night, as they say in Wales. And that was written in a pagan forum called The Cauldron. Uh, we dress up as ghouls, vampires, mummies, ghosts, spooks, goblins, witches, werewolves, bats, elves, fairies, and devils, trekking from house to house and calling out trick-or-treat while always being rewarded with a treat to ward off the trick, right? That's how it's supposed to take place. And everyone is getting involved. The malls, the homes, the cars, the baby buggies are decorated for the event and even pets. There are millions of dollars that are spent on pets and dressing them up in Halloween costumes. In 2017, Halloween spending will reach a record $9.1 billion dollars with more than 179 million Americans planning to partake in Halloween festivities, up from 171 million last year. So that's an increase of 8 million people. And spending is slated to reach a record high in survey history. This year, consumers are expected to spend, as I just said, $9.1 billion, up from $8.4 billion last year. So it's approaching Christmas and how much is being spent. And, you know, for some of these holidays that we have, like St. Patrick's Day, the average dollar amount that a person spends is $37.92. For the Super Bowl, the average that is spent per person is $74.93. Halloween is $86.13. Valentine's Day, $136.57. Mother's Day, $186.39, and that's greater than Father's Day at $134.75. And then all of the winter festivities, $795.95 per person is what is spent at Christmas. So it's a great deal more at Christmas, but it is second in line to Christmas, the celebration of Halloween. Now, according to CBN News, a Facebook poll, 87%... 87% of believers feel that Christians should not celebrate Halloween. But it's in the high 90s, 96% say that Christians should celebrate Christmas. 
And we say, why am I talking about Christmas with Halloween? Well, I'll get there. So what should our attitude be towards Halloween? Should we attack it? Should we ignore it? Should we attempt to influence it and change it? Should we co-opt a pagan festival? Is that what we should do? Well, let me give you the historical background. First, we have these people known as the Scots, the Welshes, and the Irish. Now, those would be the people in Great Britain and Ireland that are, that are over there. And they would have the, the Celtic people, uh, spelled with a C, not with a K. And they had, in their midst of their group, they had these Druids. And the Druids were a little more educated than everybody else. And they had some fantastic beliefs. Uh, there were... Celtic priests, and they were, of course, the Druids, and they were from France, Germany, and England. And so it wasn't just to the Great Britain area, but there were some going over into Europe. And they have existed since 200 BC, and they conducted things like human sacrifices and used magic to raise storms and lay curses on places and kill by the use of spells. That's what they used to do. They thought that there was some validity to that. And we should not think this as being strange, because if you remember Moses, remember Moses showed up to Egypt and the magicians were able to copy some of the miracles that Moses did, like changing a piece of wood, a staff, into a snake. They had two snakes. They laid down two staffs and they turned it into two stakes. And uh, I don't know if anybody can do that today, but that is black magic. I mean, if you can do something like that, that is unreal. So do these spells and these incantations and these curses, do they have some validity? Well, they might. We don't know. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And if a curse is not meant to light on somebody, it won't light. It's not going to be an issue. It's not going to be a problem. And especially if we have Christ uh, who is protecting us against any of that. Now, as Christians, if we're getting involved in Ouija boards and seances and looking in the mirror and lighting candles and just trying to get all that stuff ginned up in our minds, we start opening up ourselves to the spirit world. And God says, don't mess with it. God never says it doesn't exist. He simply says, don't mess with it. And that would include things like horoscopes, you know, and the ghost stories and stuff like that. Probably all of us in here grew up with ghost stories. And now it's getting to the level where I guess the new movie is Jigsaw. And it's supposed to be, he's taking back Halloween. I hear the commercials all the time. It's like, Really, and and we go to this area of blood and gore and this dystopian environment where everything is going to be destroyed and there's only going to be a few people left and they're going to war with each other and they're zombies and they're crawling over walls and they want to eat your brains and it's just a bunch of nuts, right? Stupidity is what it is, but we, for some reason, get our thrills as a society um, going towards this. Now, some people said that I can't see anybody committing human sacrifice in these wicker, and that's what it used to be there. Nicholas Cage, I guess he made a movie about the wicker man where he was actually the victim of being burned inside of a wicker man. And, and they used to do that. The Druids used to do that. And some people say, I can't imagine that one guy wrote this post saying, you know, I've built these wicker men and I've put them together and watched them burn and they fall apart real quick. And I can't imagine somebody being burned in that. Well, there's a history of this. Andrew Marr in The History of the World, in his book, he says, 
The Romans made much of their Druids' dreadful habit of burning people alive in wicker baskets. And I'll have another quote later from 1855 that says, in fact, that they did do that. They put people inside of wicker men and baskets and they would light them on fire and that would be at the Halloween time and that was to appease their gods that their gods would somehow be happy and bless them when winter was over with good crops. Now this idea of Halloween, if you go back in time, it does come from these people, the Druids and the Celts and just that whole um, Gothic type of uh, existence that the people had at that time. And there's this word name. For us, it would be Samhain, but it's pronounced Cowin or Sowin is how it's pronounced. And it is a celebration of the onset of winter. It's called Hallowtide. And they would have animal sacrifices and offering offerings to the dead and bonfires and recognition of departed souls. And they would carve turnips and they'd put faces in turnips and they'd carry those around. And if you follow everything, uh, if you read up on this, there's going to be the pagan version and then there's going to be the Christian version. And they rarely meet in the middle. The pagan version would say, ah, there's never any human sacrifice. But you go back with the Christians and when they write about it, say definitely human sacrifice. And they were doing nefarious things. And there are these fairies that the the people that were pagans would talk about. And the fairies, after the gospel came, the Christians, those who became Christians said, well, you know, the fairies then chose which side they wanted to be on. They either wanted to be on the side of Satan or they wanted to be on the side of God. And so you have good fairies like Tinkerbell. Then you have bad fairies, which are out there and they do these little tricks to you. You know, if you don't leave out some milk and some bread and something like that on your porch at night, they will come and they will do some dastardly deed to you. And therefore you need to appease And so that's why you leave something out for the little ghoulish elves, the little guys that run around and cause havoc to be at peace. And so they'll just leave you alone. So it's trick or treat. So all that goes back into history a long time. And then there are their customs, the black cats and the talismans, you know, the black cats and the powers of the witches and uh, dogs and owls and snakes and swines and just all kinds of stuff. They would be involved with these animals and sacrifices and it was a, a huge pagan ritual which is out there. And then there's this idea of bobbing for apples and nuts. And in Rome, they celebrated a festival which honored the goddess Pomona, the goddess of fruit and gardens and nuts and apples as a symbol of a storehouse of food were roasted over a large bonfire. There was a habit where you'd take an apple and you'd peel the apple, right? And you'd take that peel and you would throw it over your shoulder. And that peel maybe spells out the first letter of a name. And that's who you're going to marry, that type of thing. And and the bobbing of the apples, if you bobbed for the apples, and you were the first one to bite one out of the barrel, then you would marry the next year. They would have all kinds of superstitions like that. Or you would have a fire burning, and in the hearth you would place a stone. And as you go to bed at night, you put that stone inside the hearth. And if you get up the next day and that stone somehow moved or got altered, you're dying the next year. And so that this, these types of things they would look at, and this is all surrounding Halloween. It was a time of death. It was a time that was closest to the realm of the dead. It was opened at that time. And, and and then there were other things like the jack-o'-lanterns and the will-o'-the-wisp. You remember some cartoon, the will-o'-the-wisp? You know, follow the will-o'-the-wisp. Merida was in it. You know that, what was the name of that movie? Brave. Brave. That's it, Brave. And, and so there's all of this folklore that is involved with this. And the lanterns and uh, what they would call a corpse lantern would be out there. 
And today we see these leering pumpkin faces. Right now I have seen several pictures of art, you know, like you'll have Charlie Brown and Linus or the little bird and that's carved into a pumpkin and that's set out there not to be so ghoulish or scary. And of course they were used to scare the spirits of the dead that would wander around at night looking for a treat or deliver a trick if not satisfied. And Jack, who was a miser, it could be this too, he couldn't enter heaven so he played tricks on the devil and couldn't enter hell and he had to roam the earth until the day of judgment. Or the fairies, they would play the tricks. And so there's all kinds of meanings. It just depends on where you go for what you prefer as far as a meaning for Halloween. And there there was also the bonfire. The bonfire would be set up. I've uh, related this before at the school that I went to, uh, elementary school, Rosebank Elementary School in Chula Vista. They would bring in truckloads of lumber when they were building houses and they'd light these bonfires. And it would be at this time of year and it would just be a great time. As a school, we would do that. It's a wonder nobody got burnt alive inside of that. But they were huge. They would have three of them on the playground and they'd be 10, 12 foot tall and they'd light the whole thing on fire and all the families would come over and we'd just kind of celebrate the onset of winter, so to speak, with a big bonfire. And then the trick or treat, of course, we have that uh, today where you go and the boys, the older boys carry a pillowcase because they're going to fill that thing up. And the little kids, they have a little pumpkin with a happy face on it and they walk around and they're in their little get-ups. And, and so this is where Halloween came from. Now, the Christians came in and said, this is unacceptable. We needed to change this. And so we got what is known as All Hallows Eve. And All Hallows Eve is the day before November 1st where we commemorate all the dead saints. And so the church said, we're going to take this pagan holiday and we're going to Christianize it. We are not going to allow you guys to do all these sacrifices and get into all this superstition. We want to make sure that the All Hallows Day or All Saints Day, uh, the day that preceded that is our Halloween And the founding fathers of this country, they refused to celebrate the festival. And it goes way back. It it just isn't the latest creation that we have today with commercialism. But the founding fathers of this country refused to celebrate it because they considered it completely pagan. They they didn't think there was any spiritual benefit benefit in it whatsoever. And during the 1840s, later on, when the potato famine was in Ireland... Well, all the Irish are wrecking my head. They brought it over here. And so they started celebrating the trick-or-treat. Now, going on with this, Pope Gregory III, he changed the celebration to November 1st, the All Saints Day, and Pope Gregory IV in 835 made it a universal observance. So it was the church that entrenched Halloween on the day that it is there. It was not the pagans that did it. Now, let's take a jump. Let's talk about Christmas. Christmas is not the date Jesus was born. Jesus was born, according to some scholars, in April, or there's actually a date. May 20th, they think that he might have actually been born. December 17th through 22nd was a time of Saturnalia for the Roman god Saturn, the god of agriculture. And then December 25th was regarded as the birthday of the Iranian mystery god Mithra, son of righteousness, S-U-N. And the Roman New Year, uh, it was uh, 
at, you would have a house that was decorated with greenery and lights and gifts were given to children and to the poor. And the Jews during this feast of purification would make lighted tapers, you know, where the, the light just goes down like that. And, and so all of this goes way back. And of course, this God Saturnalia, they were worshiping him and the church came in to make a long story short. They said, you know, we're going to change this pagan holiday. We're going to turn it into the birth of Christ. And so they wanted to take these lighting of the bonfires. The, the Celts were responsible for the Yule log. Do you guys like a fire at Christmas time? You can actually turn on to a television channel on Cox or AT&T, and they will keep a fire burning for you for like an hour or for two hours, and you could just flick it on. And so it just sits there, and it pops, and it crackles, and it just goes for hours if you want it there, if you don't have a fireplace. Well, why do we do that at winter? Why isn't it there all the time? Well, they, it's because of the Yule log. Then there's also a Yule candle. You light this candle. It's either going to be blue, red, or green, and you light that symbolizing the end of winter because it's Christmas. The solstice happens on December 22nd, and that uh, ushers in spring, and so when people are doing all this, they have no idea where these things originate from. And the Druids, they were preoccupied with trees. They loved the trees and the oak forest, and they acted as priests and teachers and judges. And they were the ones that would kind of set up the greenery, and you have the holly wreaths and stuff like that, and the evergreens that are all around. That comes from paganism. That comes from the Druids, the same people who had Halloween. So we, as the church, we said, we're going to take Halloween and we're going to take Christmas and we're going to Christianize them is what we're going to do. So you're following me here. There was opposition to Christmas in AD 245. The church father, Origen or Origen was proclaiming it had heathenist, heathenistic, uh, or it was heathenistic to celebrate Christmas. Uh, the Protestants found their own quieter ways to celebrate Christmas. The Puritans in Massachusetts made a point of working on Christmas as on any other day because they were more spiritual, they thought. So it's not good to get involved in this pagan holiday of Christmas. In 1856, Christmas was still an ordinary workday in Boston, and failure to show up for work on that day was grounds for dismissal. Classes were held in Boston public schools on Christmas Day until 1870. So in our country, there was a big movement, do not celebrate Christmas and do not celebrate Halloween because, after all, they were more spiritual, right? Well, we'll see. Now, where is it mentioned that Mary rode on a donkey going to Bethlehem? It's in the book of First Speculations. That's where it is. It doesn't exist. Where is it mentioned? Three wise men showed up. It's not. It's in that same book, chapter 2. There were no wise men that showed up. There could have been a caravan of wise men that showed up. Um, this one guy, I just want to reestablish something or uh, reinforce this idea that our celebration of Christmas came from the Druids, came from the Celts. In the English language, in its elements and forms, colon, with a history of its origins, written by William Chauncey Fowler in 1855, 
referring to the Celtic or Celtic people. They believed in the immortality and transmigration of the soul. They offered human sacrifices in huge baskets of wicker work containing many individuals who were burned together. They had a class of men called Druids, as the Gothic races had not. And they venerated the mistletoe. Anybody ever have mistletoe in their house? Because it's Christmas. It grows in the East County out there. You can see it in the sycamores that they're hanging out there. And we grab that, and the little seeds are poisonous, and one little seed can kill a little child. But we have mistletoe. We have wreaths. We bring in the tree. We have the Yule log. We have candles burning around, round and round the Christmas tree, round and round we go. Hee-haw. Remember those songs? Maybe you don't remember those songs. But this idea that we fully engage in a pagan festival at Christmas, and then there are those Christians that say, we ought to celebrate Christmas. 97% say that we should, but then 86% say we should never celebrate Halloween, when in fact they come from the same people, pagan origin, and they're completely useless as far as our spiritual condition is concerned they are now cultural for us right it's kind of like people who come along that are christians and say we ought not to celebrate christmas or we ought not to celebrate halloween it's kind of like saying we ought not to grow pumpkins because people use them for bad things at halloween right or we ought not to grow pine trees because pine trees can be made into christmas trees and then you can put them inside of your house so you ought not to grow pine trees you ought not to celebrate christmas because you know it has these pagan things so we just need to wipe it out altogether it's kind of like a ship that goes along a ship picks up barnacles but it doesn't do anything for the ship but do you throw away the ship because there are barnacles on the ship no, you don't. And so if you light a candle, oh, it's so nice to have candles at Christmas time. It's just so wonderful. And we have a little bough of, of holly there with the red beads. And it's just so wonderful. It's completely pagan. And do you like apple cider at Halloween? Well, apple cider comes from the apples where you peel the apple and you throw it over your shoulder. And then somebody's first initial of their name that you're going to marry is going to be right back there. And so all of this stuff, it's completely laced through. It's like the person that says, you need to boycott all the companies out there that are anti-Christian. Really? You won't be able to buy anything. There's only like 10 companies that own everything in the world. Right, Every city you go to, you'll find a Staples, you'll find a, a, a Kroger or a Safeway or a Vons or something like that. Every but Menon, they just own everything. And so we just, our hair's on fire, we're running around, it's completely pagan, you ought not to do it. We refer to Jeremiah where somebody takes down a tree and they carve it up and they lace it with gold and silver and they put it in their house and they worship it. That's not what we're doing when we bring a tree into a house. Any of you guys bow down to your Christmas tree? Om. I don't do that. Do you do that? I don't do that. But people say, you ought not to do it because the pagans used to do that. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what anybody does here in this country. You know, so anyhow, I will continue. The Christmas tree, the Celts, the Druids, who viewed the earth in an anthropomorphic sense as feminine, they worshiped the earth and its creatures that were in there. They were into paganism. Uh, again, the wreath, it's circular because the seasons come and go and it's a symbol of eternal life you know it's just perpetual the circle of life you ever see that in a disney movie the circle of life uh santa claus you know some people say santa claus is completely pagan no he's not it's saint nicholas saint nicholas was known for helping out three daughters of i think he was a widower by giving him three bags of coins thrown through the window and those three bags of coins you know how it's symbolized today 
at a pawn shop with three balls hanging over. If you've ever seen that symbol, that's what a pawn shop symbol was. And, and so these types of things in the manger scene, you know, in 1223 or 1224, the church taught that this life was a place of sin and sorrow. So St. Francis, Assisi, wanted to add hope and joy. So he created the first manger scene. It's not historically accurate, but who cares? You know, it's, it's just referring to Jesus Christ. So the tradition brought us, like these three wise men, Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthasar, and the different wise men that they had, they represented three things. Gaspar, who brought myrrh, was considered to be the king of India. Melchior, who brought gold, was considered to be the king of Persia. And Balthasar was brought incense and was considered to be the king of Arabia. And by the way, these things are supposed to represent the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, who inhabited these different parts of the earth after the flood. And so we have this tradition that is set up in our country. Another thing here, medieval England, the 12 days of Christmas. What does the 12 days of Christmas have to do with anything Christian? Absolutely nothing. Have you ever sang it? Probably a pagan if you've sang it, right? Uh, The 12 days of Christmas were a time to call the court together and indulge in unequaled revelry. Kings and bishops vied to outdo each other in the splendor of their retinue apparel and uh, groaning bounty of their banquet tables. You know, they would just get together. Have you ever heard the song, Here we go, a-wassling, a-wassling, so free. If you ever saw the California Raisins do their little show on television, they sing that song. That's just a bunch of drunkards going around drinking ale out of bowls and <laughs> you know, walking down. That's what it is, wassailing. And we kind of sing that at Christmas. Maybe you don't sing it or maybe you didn't go, really? I'm singing about drinking going down the street at Christmas time. Hot toddies and eggnog, you know, and all that stuff. And so it's completely pagan. And how many Christians actually do that, wassailing? Hey, come over for a Christmas party. We're going to have a gift exchange. You know, <laughs> We do that kind of thing and we think nothing of it. Oh, Lord, we're going to celebrate you on Christmas. But stay away from Halloween. You know, it's all pagan. Every bit of it is pagan. Now, what about Jesus? Now, for us, this is cultural. We have the Halloween and we have the Christmas. It's cultural is what it is. Did Jesus ever celebrate a feast or a festival that was not in the Bible? Now, think about it. Did he ever celebrate something that maybe the Jews celebrated that was not in the Bible? Yes, it was a feast. It was a feast of dedication, the feast of Purim, the, not Purim, it was a feast of dedication, the feast of lights, and that is where Judas Maccabeus, he was a victor over his enemies, and they wanted to rededicate the temple, and so what they did is they took this uh, one flask of oil that was still in the temple that hadn't been defiled by their enemies and they took it and they wanted to rededicate the temple and so they poured it into the candlesticks but they only had enough for one day and they prayed and the lord allowed that candle to burn that candlestick to burn for eight days it was a miracle until the oil could be sanctified set apart and blessed to continue filling the cups they celebrate that today is what they celebrate. Jesus, it talks about it in um, 
I think it's John chapter 10. It's there, the Feast of Dedication, which is there. And some people would, would object and say, oh, he didn't celebrate that. All the Jews celebrated it. And it's mentioned in the scriptures there, this Feast of Dedication, this Feast of Lights. And so they remember how God did this. And that's where you have Hanukkah. That's what it is. And they have that menorah out there. Hanukkah, Hanukkah, light the menorah. Yeah, it's that song that they sing and, and they dance around it and they celebrate what God had done. And so even Jesus was celebrating things in a cultural venue. Uh, and there's no reason to believe that he wasn't. Now, if somebody wants to be a nitpicker, stickler on that point, fine, you can have that. But you can't get away from the fact that both Christmas and Halloween are completely pagan. And so are we being pagans, worshiping false deities at Christmas? Absolutely not. You know, if, if you're in a Christian home and you open up the scriptures, especially for kids or grandkids that are there, you read what we're doing here. And it's just a time of celebration is what it is of Jesus Christ. And it's a redeeming of the, the time of Halloween from pagans. It's a redeeming from the Christmas celebration that they would have as pagans. And we are christianizing it now not everybody celebrates only 52 percent of christians celebrated as a holy day well what happened to the other christians what are they celebrated as well wassailing time you know and we shouldn't we shouldn't do that we should make sure people know that we stand for christ it's being that witness which is out there so what we should remember about both halloween and christmas we live in a world, but we are separate from it. We are not supposed to participate or partake in the evil aspects of either one of these and view it as they did back then. We don't make a trip to Stonehenge and honor the gods of the earth at that time. We don't become white witches and warlocks and cast spells only for good things or get involved in the black magic. We live in a world where there are going to be these cultural things and we just want to make sure we're not participating the way the world does. It gives us a chance to be a witness for Christ. We can be a witness to our families, to our friends, to the world. You know, a lot of churches, and we did this once too. We rented out the Lakeside Rodeo Grounds. We had 5,000 people come through there and we set up all these games where we give the kids the money and we had Leo Giovanetti come out and he gave a message. Of course, when we did that, half the people left because they just wanted the candy, right? But the message went out. People got saved right there on the dirt, walking across to the little uh, podium that uh, Leo was on. And then we opened it back up and the games were going around and it was a great thing. Uh, that we did, where we were redeeming the time and we passed out tracks. Now, for all of you, if you have candy and you're going to pass out to the little ghouls and goblins and those who come to your house and even the teenagers, we have in the back tracks. Do not hand out candy without handing out a track. Redeem the time. Give that to them and put that in their little bucket. Say, here you go with a nice big candy. And say, don't be the chintzy person that goes, here's a little penny candy in a wrapper. Don't do so. Get some good stuff. You know, I, I remember as a kid, and I'd go around, I, I didn't believe in the Lord, but when we got Hershey candy bars, you know, oh, 
or a crackle. You know, it'd be like huge or like the suckers. And then we'd lay it all out. Oh, what did I get? You want to trade this for that? Okay, yeah. And the candy corn, ah, that was garbage. You put that garbage to the side. But everything else, get the good candy for the kids. Don't be chintzy and then give them one of these and, and give them a, a, a abundance. And they come up, they go, I like this house. And you give them the track and they're so happy. They remember who you are. It's a time to be a witness. You know, a lot of Christians, they shut off their lights. Go away. They're yelling from behind the door in a darkened house. We don't want your kind around here. Just don't do that. You know, if you're going to be home and you're going to pass out candy, give them a track. It's a time to be a witness. When else do you have somebody who's celebrating a pagan holiday walk right up to your front door and want to see you? Never. You never have that, and this is a chance. So you have a stack of these, and they're on the, the, in the foyer over there. I want you to take them, and I want you to pass those things out. And if they don't come to your door, start walking around, passing out candy, and give them a track at the same time. You mean I have to actually work at this? It's for the Lord. You're working for the Lord. You're not working for anybody else. Let me go on. There's time for a community outreach. Uh, there was actually some Christian churches, they made a haunted house, and they depicted hell, is what they depicted. All the suffering that was going on, and at the end, they gave the gospel. I can remember being in high school, campus life, campus life haunted house, you remember that, huh? campus life haunted house, there'd be four or five, six people deep in that, some people would show up drunk, the high schoolers and beyond high school, and they went away go through this thing and it was put on by campus life and at the beginning they would show you the mummy or they would show you the creature from the black lagoon they would show that but as you go through and you get at the end they give the gospel at the end and campus life did that as an outreach they actually brought the pagans to them through this event what a fantastic way to reach people it just kind of reels them in you don't have to do much of an effort at all we we've gone down to balboa park before and we've witnessed to the people in those lines. They're captive. They don't go anywhere. They want to go into the, the haunted house. And so we walk right up to them and say, hey, how you doing? They go, fine. How are you? We say, hey, do you go to church? And they go, what? Go to church? Yeah, man, we're here to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you like to hear it? And they look at each other. Okay, fine. And so we give them the gospel. And some people are obstinate. Some are not. I went up to one guy. I say, hey, man, you a Christian? He goes, I'm a Catholic. I said, well, Catholics are Christians. I'm a Catholic. And, you know, Scripture calls believers in Christ Christians. You know that. I'm a Catholic. And Okay, okay I'm just going on. And, and you run into people like that as well. But you want to be a witness for Christ during this time. Now, if we celebrate Halloween and Christmas, it must be done in love. Now, there's this little story. We always want to act in love without ulterior motives, right? Little Timmy, Timothy, he's digging this hole in his backyard and he's taking out all this dirt and everything. And, and uh, the neighbor, he kind of sees this dirt flying out and he tried to figure out what's going on. And, and so this neighbor, he comes over and just as he come over, Timothy is he's patting down this hole. It looks like an awful big hole. He's patting down this hole. And the neighbor says, so what are you doing, Timmy? And he goes, I'm burying my goldfish. And the neighbor says, well, it's an awful big hole for a goldfish. He goes, yeah, it's in your stupid cat. You know, 
Timothy wasn't acting out of love and something like that. He was doing something. He thought the neighbor's thinking, well, it's nice to bury a little goldfish, all of that. But he certainly wasn't loving his neighbor by acting and burying the cat, you know. And so when we run across people like that, we don't want to do something that seems to be good, but it's really not good. Our heart isn't in it. We want to genuinely be loving towards those who are out there. We want to make sure we're being that witness in such a dark time. And if we celebrate Halloween and Christmas, it must edify others as well. We don't want to bring darkness into anyone, anyone's life. And the Lord will judge us all for this. And as believers, uh, you know, one thing that struck me being back in Texas, I heard stories about Calvary chapels, a couple of Calvary chapels to be specific, and how controlling they were. Uh, they would do things like if you were in leadership, you really couldn't have somebody else from the church come to your house if there was two, three, or four of them and just have them over for fellowship unless the pastor said it was okay to do that. And the hair on the back of my neck just started standing up or who you associated with. That was also to be determined by the pastor and the leader of the church. And this is in a Calvary chapel. And I, I thought, well, this is not good, determining behaviors. You know, stuff like that. And I heard that somebody had talked or uh, it was alleged that they had said something about the pastor. Now, if somebody says something about me, should I send Eric to talk to them or should I talk to them? I should talk to them. But some people were pulled into a room with this deacon and you had to talk to this deacon before you talked to them. What is with that? What's wrong with the pastor? Is he a little limp-wristed or something? He doesn't know how to stand up for himself? The scripture says, if you know somebody has sinned against you, you're supposed to go to them. And if you have sinned against somebody, you need to go to them as well. So the onus would be on the pastor for that. This idea of controlling. If we sit here as Christians and we say, you cannot celebrate Halloween, deck the halls with boughs of holly. And your, your one hand is saying one thing and the other hand is saying the other thing. And the person turns to you who wants to celebrate Christmas but not Halloween is says, man, you're involved in that pagan festival. What do you think you're doing? You're not very Christian, are you? You know, the person who doesn't feel that they have the freedom to do things is the weaker Christian. They're the more immature Christian. The Bible tells us about this in the book of Romans. It says that those who are more spiritual are to bear with the failings of the weak. And those who are weak are the ones who can't eat food sacrifice to idols. An idol is nothing. If you want to have steak that was... Uh, sacrifice at the local temple, go ahead and have sake. But if it stumbles somebody else, don't do it for their sake. And so those people who would come and put a yoke upon your neck, how you're supposed to act, who you're supposed to associate with, what days you're supposed to observe, what diets you can eat, all of that, they are weak Christians. They are immature Christians. As long as we know we're going to give an answer to the Lord for how we conduct ourselves, we are free. And some people have a problem with that freedom to exercise our faith the way the Lord has told us to. Now, if we get into error and somebody says there's a little bit of error in this, maybe as a Christian, you shouldn't be conducting a seance on your front lawn as the kids come up. That's probably just a little over the top. Yeah, I would say that that shouldn't be done either. Or your house is the biggest house with all the ghouls and the goblins. Or have you seen the ones where the bowl is there and there's this... uh, little skeleton and he's just sitting there like that waiting for you to come up and then as soon as you get close there's a motion sensor on it and it lunges at you 
Probably not a good idea to have something like that. For the little kids, you'll scare them for life and they'll be ruined forever. You, know, you want to make sure that you are representing Christ. And there is a crossing of the line, so to speak. But if you ask the Lord, he'll give you wisdom. And if you don't want to ask the Lord, ask Eric. He'll tell you. Now we can go on here. Uh, uh, people have objections and celebrating Christmas. You know, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th and December 25th was a pagan holiday and Santa Claus and the Christmas tree and the paradise tree and the Christmas pyramid, so to speak, and the Yule log and, and all of that. You know, the celebration of Christmas, it goes all the way back to the beginning of the church. In a book, eight, written in 325 A.D., On page 495, this is the Antinicene Fathers, Volume 7, Constitution of the Holy Apostles. It says, let them rest on the festival of his birth, because on it, it is unexpected favor was granted to men that Jesus Christ, the Logos of God, would be born of the Virgin Mary for the salvation of the world. So all through the history of the church, and that was in the 4th century, They were already practicing it in the 4th century, which would be the 300s. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Celebrated Christmas, fine. Even though it's a pagan holiday, redeem it. That's what we can do and be a witness to those who are around us. We are not to be an idol worshiper. We are also not to be indebted when we... You buy little costumes for Halloween or you buy the tree for Christmas. Don't go into debt to buy the presents and all that. That would be the guidelines we'd be given. So may the Lord bless you and give you wisdom as you guys seek to follow him and be his disciples. Don't put yokes on people's necks. Be a witness by giving out the tracts at Halloween and be a witness to your family at Christmas as well. Let them know the reason that we celebrate the festive season. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. You are so good. You are our rock. You give us insight and wisdom in scripture and there are things that are cultural for us and you give us the freedom. Lord, to participate and not to participate. And Lord, for those who don't feel they have the freedom, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would comfort them in their walks, that you'd give them insight and just incredible understanding of what they can do to be a witness, even though they feel they cannot participate. And Lord, we will not consider them any less in your eyes. You love them just as much as you love the person who gives their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength to these celebrations. So Father, we'll praise you for the freedom that you give us. In Jesus' name, and the church said,